It's Ride 3, and this time we dive into the world of Andreas Esco Colon. Being the chairman of the most dangerous biker gang in Good City is no easy feat, but he makes it look easy. After a tumultuous breakup with his fiance, Esco is forced into the single life. After months of being a bachelor, <laughs> he's grown tired of his mundane love life. That is until he meets Corey Golden. She captures his attention at first glance with much more than her obvious beauty. Esco prepares himself to make a move, but there's an obstacle he must face. Corey's occupation forbids her from entertaining Esco, but he's determined to win her by any means necessary. On top of his new hurdle, the Burner Boys find themselves in a new beef with another gang. With Esco being the OG, he must prove that he is not only a leader, but willing to put in work even if it involves bloodshed. All right, my beautiful people, we are here for part three of the Burner Boys. And after this, we have one more to go, even though I really think it should have been five parts because I really wanted Pope and Sassy's story. Let me, I'm, yeah, let me just jump into this right now. So even in all four parts of the story that we do get, it's alluded that Sassy and Pope have something going on, like it's a unspoken thing. But we don't get the story. And I whether Dominique wrote it or Sheree wrote it, I wanted that story, but we were cheated out of that story. And I ain't gonna say nothing else about it. But anyway, so let's jump into Esco's story. So we have a prologue of when Esco was in high school and he was excited to learn that he made it on the football team. So he's running home to tell his parents about it and when he like hits the corner of their street, he sees the police lights and he sees his father being arrested. And his father is an alcoholic. He's a known alcoholic. This has been their way of life for many, many years now. And even with him knowing that his father is an alcoholic, he's his dad is basically his favorite. So he exchanges heated words with his mother like, you know, you didn't have to call the cops on him. Why would you do that to him? He storms off. So with him storming off, he meets up with his best friend, Nico, who is trying to persuade him to join the local gang. He's like, you know, I already talked to him. We might as well go ahead and get jumped in today. And I told them about you. So, you know, come on, let's just go do it. And so with him almost letting his emotions get the best of him, he agrees. And so he's well, they together are going to talk to the gang and they're like, you know, what you want, what y'all are trying to do. And Esco sees Pope. So at this time, you know, everybody know who Pope is. Pope is the guy around town and Pope calls him over and he tells him, cause Nico was over there at first, but then he sends him on his way and says, you know, let me talk to Esco by himself. And he tells him, you know, don't let that little nigga ruin your life. He ain't got no goals. He ain't got no plans. Let him do that to himself. You don't do that. You got a life. You got something to look forward to. And Esco knows that this is true. Uh, he talked like Nico don't go to school. He don't do nothing. He just has hopes of getting into this gang and selling drugs and making a lot of money. And that's just where the road ends for him. So basically that day they stopped being friends with each other. So now we're in the present day time. Esco's fiance. Now, 
I can't remember if it was um, mentioned much in Uno's story, but I do remember in Yachty's story, like Pope had made the announcement that they were losing a member basically and that Esco was getting married and it was the end for him. So his fiance Persia just came to the clubhouse and destroyed his bike with a bat. And, you know, he's just standing there embarrassed and Pope is looking at him like, you better get her in check because you know I don't do this ratchet shit at the clubhouse. Like, ain't no way she should have came up here making a scene the way she made this made a scene. And then I'm about to go out on a ride. And obviously he can't go because his bike is in fucking pieces all over the place. So he jumps into his car and races home. And his um uh, his son is there. They have a five-year-old son together by the name of Carmelo. Um, Esco and Persia have been together for six years. You know, they were together for a year before she got pregnant and they've just been together all this time. So Carmelo jumps up, you know, obviously excited to see his dad. Like, dad, come on, come watch TV with me. But Esco, he's like, I can't right now, son. He got something else on his mind. And of course, Carmelo, he's disappointed, but he just sits back down. And Esco goes into their bedroom. Persia is throwing all his stuff out, you know, just doing the most. And so, but with that, we learned that Persia is a white Puerto Rican. And at first he loved her quote unquote feisty personality, but quickly that behavior became embarrassing. So once again, and I'm just going to say, especially in light of the Erica Menace situation with Spice, black men love an attitude on everybody but a black woman. Because what is feisty about Hispanic women, white women, that is not feisty about black women, that they just got attitudes and don't nobody want to hear that shit? But you let her get away with this because you thought it was cute just because she was Hispanic. But moving on. And so he tells her that she was wrong for pulling that stunt that she just did at the club. And she tells him that she don't give a damn about the Burner Boys nor that clubhouse. And she is upset to learn that he slept with someone that he lied, lied to her about. And he admits that he was wrong, but he's only wrong for lying because they were not together. So he did not cheat on her. It's like she loves to do... Well, them together, because he does it as well. This breakup to makeup stuff. So she kicked him out of the house when she was feeling like she was upset. And it was like two months before she basically called him one to get back together. So it's like, if we've been separated that whole time, if I feel like seeing somebody else, I'm not wrong in doing that. And that's exactly what he did. And so, but she feels like she was cheated on and, you know, he lies to her. And so she says, I am a good woman and all you do is let me down, which he finds comical because he's like, not you. Girl, I met you when you was working at the drive-in theater. I upgraded your life. You was giving all of your money to your family while it's like seven or eight of y'all living in one house. Now all you got to do is clean up around here and look after our son and you can spend money like it's like it's nothing. And she's, then she tries to turn it around like, oh, I didn't know I owe my whole life to you. But ain't that what you was just trying to do to him? Talking about how much of a good woman you are and he basically keeps shitting on you, which is not the case. 
And so he grabs his things and he's leaving. And he told himself, you know, if she ever tried to kick him out again and do this, this was the last time. So when he leaves out of the bedroom, he sees Carmelo is sitting on the stairs and he's been listening to this whole exchange between the two. So he stops and gives him a hug and says, you know, nothing in our relationship is going to change. You're going to see daddy every day. I'm just not going to be here in the house anymore. Her ignorant ass comes flying out of the bedroom talking about Melo, don't believe him. He's leaving you too. And it's like, see that shit right there. Trying to manipulate the child just because y'all not in the house together talking about he's leaving. Uh, no, he's not leaving his child. He's leaving you. And the only reason why he's leaving you is because you made it that way. You threw these tantrums and just do the most. But because he kept coming back, he made it okay for her to act that way. So it's like both of y'all are to blame, but he's getting off the roller coaster. And that's his decisions to make. Like she can't be mad at that. So like I said, he leaves promising himself that this is it. This is the last time him and Persia are breaking up. It's official. And it was too reminiscent of his childhood and what happened with his parents, except, you know, he's not an alcoholic. So he gets a call like a few days later from Carmelo's teacher telling him, you know, Carmelo has been acting out lately. He told somebody to shut up, but he also was using profanity. And um, she says, you know, instead of sending him to the principal to possibly get suspended, I thought maybe he could take an early day off. And so Esco is like, of course, I'll be right there. Now, the teacher also said, she was like, I tried to call the mother, but she didn't answer the phone. So when he goes to the school, into his classroom, he's greeted by a beautiful woman who he's instantly attracted to, but she's different from the teacher that he met at the beginning of the school year. So when he asked her about that, her name is Miss Golden, she informed him that the classes were oversized and some of the children were split up, and that's how Carmela got um, moved to her classroom. So he flirted a little bit because he liked what he see. He is like instantly attracted to her. And then he calls Portia like after they leave. And he's like, you know, where you at? She's at her grandmother's house. So he goes over there to talk to her. And it's like, first, why didn't you answer the phone for the teacher? She's talking about she was getting her nails done and she couldn't pick up the phone. But it's like, how long you been sitting at this house? As soon as your nails were done and were dry, you can pick up that phone and call back and see what was going on. So he's like, all right. He says, well, I have a proposition. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because he had asked Carmelo, you know, like, what's going on? What's the matter? And of course, with the recent breakup, he's been feeling sad and he wants his dad back home. Even though, like, Esco, so he sees him every day. He talks to him every day. Like, he's missing his presence in the home, but he still sees him. So it's just like, you're not going without seeing him. But ain't no telling what Persia is saying to him when it's just them two in the house. Um, so he tells her, I think it would be better if I have a week with Carmel. Like we have alternate weeks. I take him for a week. You take him for a week. And she says, nah, I don't think that's going to be necessary. He's like, what you mean? She's like, I'm ready for you to come home. And he's like, I done told like. I don't know how many times I got to tell you I'm not doing that with you no more. 
that's over with. So she gets upset and it's like, well, you can't have my son then, you know, you're not leaving us. And he's like, once again, it's not y'all, it's you. I'm not doing this with you no more. And he tells her, I really don't care what you say. I'm doing it anyway. So he takes Carmelo with him, who's happy, but he like, I don't know what you uh, happy about, because you about to go to your grandpa's house and write an apology to your teacher for acting a fool in class. So I forgot to mention, and when he got the phone call from Miss, uh, what was her name? Miss Golden? Miss Gordon? <laughs> what was her name? Miss Golden, Miss Golden, Miss Golden. Yeah, Miss Golden. Um, it had been two months since like the breakup. And Esco, he's like a lover boy. He was feeling lonely. He was ready to find somebody else to be booed up with. And everybody around him got somebody. You know, Yachty got Liberty. Uno got Sunday. Um, Onyx is back with Niasia. And Pope, you know, Pope the man, he be booed up with a little something, even if it's not his official woman. Um and he knows that marriage and more children are in his future. So he was feeling away. So when he saw Miss Golden, AKA Corey, he was ready for her. But we get a little bit into Corey's story, who is living with her twin sister, sisters, Shima and Kima. <clears throat> and they tell her, because of course it's always somebody taking the main character, like, you going through a lot in your life and you know what's going to fix that? Going to a burnt out Friday. Because what uh, Shine did it to Liberty, uh, Alexa did it to Sunday, and now we got Shima and Kima doing it to Corey. It's like, you need to let your hair down. And you know the best way to do that? Going to burnt out Fridays. And at first she wasn't really trying to do it. She's like, nah, I don't need that in my life. They're like, girl, we don't want to hear none of that. We going. So at the function, everything is going smooth until the Haitian Hounds, who is another motorcycle club, pulls up making noise. And they pulling up like on the street where the burner boys are doing like their tricks and stuff. And it was OG day, which I meant to say this. So I'm thinking, I'm like, when they say OGs, because what Yachty is 24. I want to say Uno is either 21 or 22, and they kept calling them OGs. And I, I swear, I thought Esco, Hope, and Onyx was like in their late 40s, sliding into their 50s. Why are they in their early 30s? So I'm like, especially Yachty, I'm like, you really calling somebody OG who was only like two, three years older than you? Well, more than that, but you know what I mean? Just like, they not that much older than y'all for y'all to be calling them OGs like that. But it was like, whatever. <clears throat> so, uh, what is it? So they, Pope, like, comes out and is like, what is y'all doing? And the leader of the Haitian house is like, well, we can't come and chill with y'all. And Pope is like, yeah, but you know, it's a better way to do it than this. You pull in on the sidelines and enjoy the festivities from the side. You're not a burner boy. This is for born uh burner boys only, like on this track right here. What is you doing? And so because they got called out and kind of put in a place, they feel a way about it. But in them having this back and forth, Esco is looking at this arm wrapped around 
one of the Haitians and he sees a tattoo that's looking real familiar. The next thing you know, she lifts up her head and it's Persian. And she's smirking, thinking she did something, but it's like, <clears throat> if anything, girl, that makes you look like a hopper. It don't look good for you. And so at that moment, whatever little respect he had for her and how he was trying to let her live, let's go cut all that off. It's like, this is the ultimate disrespect, you know, and what do I want to say? Like in their world and what they have going on. So ain't no way you thought it was cool doing what you was doing. So he's like, all right, I see you. And I think he got her like a, he called her a bit Cause the dude was like, what you jealous? He was like, ain't no way I'm jealous of a bitch that I have for years and a whole swallow my nuts multiple times. And she was like, oh wow. Now I'm a whole, he like, I, you don't even talk to me for real. Like, I don't want to hear nothing else about you <clears throat> or from you basically. And so after that, he cuts her off financially. I'm just like, how do you fuck up the bag like this? Like, yeah, y'all broken up, but you got to keep the house and he was still letting you spend his money freely as you wanted to because you were his kid's mother. You are his kid's mother, I should say. Um, so then she's calling him like, my credit card not working. Why you cut my credit card off? It's just like, I thought you had somebody else. If you got somebody else, if you messing with somebody else now, let them take care of you. I'm not going to continue to do it. And you trying to play in my face and play on my name. Like, girl, get the hell out of here. And she's, then she want to humble herself. Like, no, I was just doing that to make you mad. No, you know the consequences of your actions. And you're still living in the past of, oh, I've done stuff to make him mad before. It's not going to be that serious. He going to let it go. But it's like, all of them take that motorcycle club real serious. Like, they're a family. Ain't no way he was going to let that ride. But anyway, in the midst of him having to deal with Persia, he's getting closer to Corey. So let let me jump back to um, the burnout. Because even after he saw her and she was dismissed, that's when he saw Corey and went over to her and gets her on the back of his bike and take her for a ride. And just like how Uno told Sunday, um, Esco tells Corey, you know, you stamp now, you mine. And she's like, hey, no. <laughs> the hell said that i don't belong to nobody he's like yeah whatever so you know she tells him they really can't be together or they can't even try to build anything because it's a conflict of interest with her being carmelo's teacher that's going to try to hear none of that he proves to her like girl you know you feeling me and we just gonna keep it on the low but i'm not stopping nothing and he takes her on a date, which is a surprise date to New York City, where he takes her around, buys her a couple things, and she's still trying to keep him at arm's length. And he's like, I'm not going for that, which is also a common thing between all four books. It's just like these guys are getting with women who like they like them, they're attracted to them, but they don't really want to be a part of that world, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> So, uh, Esco goes to sit down at a restaurant with Persia to once again try to get an understanding. And I guess he thought because if they were me not in public, she wouldn't act a fool. But it was the exact opposite because she is still on the same shit. And she's like, I'm ready for you to come home and stop playing all these games. And he has to tell her once again, I don't know how many times I have to tell you, but... 
as far as us being in a relationship again, because we are family no matter what, but us in a relationship is not going to happen. So she's asked him, like, what black bitch has his nose wide open? And for some reason, this shocks him. And I'm just like, ain't no way this is her first time saying something like this. And that's why I brought up Erica Mena earlier, because that's very much what this is given, even though this book was written <clears throat> a few years ago. Um, but it's that same thing. It's like they get with black men, sleep with black men, have half black children. But it's always the women they want to talk down on. And so, like I said, for some reason, this shocks him because I guess she's never spoken like this before. Or in all her feistiness, he wasn't paying any no attention. So he asked her to expound. Like, what do you mean by that? And she goes on a rant about black women getting weave that looks like her natural hair. Them um, wanting baby hair that she naturally has. And I'm like, hold on. Are our baby hairs compared like y'all don't even have baby hairs? That's the thing that be killing me. Y'all love trying to claim shit that belongs to us, but it's like okay. And so then she says the lashes and the nails come from Hispanic women. We took that from them. Black women always try to act as if everyone wants to be them or copying off them when they don't want to be themselves, which is a lie. Our whole style, our whole being, like what comes to us so naturally, y'all have to put on the front. So it's just like, don't don't even get me started. And so then she says, you know, every time we broke up and you got with somebody else, it was always a black woman. And the fact that you keep running back to one every time we break up is disgusting to me. So black women are disgusting. Not the black men. Not the black dick that you hopping on. But the fact that he is getting with a black woman. And I'm just like, that, that is crazy. Once again, Malcolm X said it the best. The most disrespected person is the black woman. Because it's like, how do you not hate the black Oh Well, because you're having sex with them. Obviously, there ain't no why. We know what the why is. And I'm like, you can have black children, well, half black children anyway. You don't see the bad in that. But it's, it's just something about the black woman that you are disgusted with. What you're trying to be and how your feistiness. You know what? Anyway. So, and she even tries to give a little bit to uh, his mama. But he stops her and says, I dare you. I'll punch you dead in your fucking mouth. Don't play with my mama. And she swallows those words back because she see he not playing. Even though he's never threatened her. It's a whole bunch of nevers at this table. He ain't never heard her talk like this or seen her act this way towards black women. And he ain't never threatened her before with actual physical violence. But again, why would he? He found your despicable actions attractive. He thought it was cute. He thought it was sexy. You know, you're the feisty Latina. So anyway, um, then she tries to start the pity party again, and he's like, I'm not going for it. The credit cards are still cut off, um, and she's like, I'm going to put you on child support, or, you know, like, I'm taking you to court. He's like, okay, I'm not scared of court, because whatever he do with the burden boards, he also has legit businesses. He has, like, multiple uh, properties across the city that he turned into Airbnbs that's making him legit money, so he's on the up and up on paper. 
And she says, well, I can tell the police what you're doing with the burner boys. And he tells her, are you threatening me? It's really over. So the burner boys were robbed and they figured it was an inside job the way the cameras were smashed and how people knew where to find their stuff. And Esco, they had like a chip or a card that wasn't damaged and he takes it to his brother. I think I forgot to mention at the beginning, he has a brother, he has an older brother um, who's into tech. And he's like, you know, look into this for me and see who broke into our stuff because we think it was an inside job. So he's like, okay, cool, no problem. So when he gets that back, you can hear a little bit of it. You hear um, the Haitians on the tape and it says, she said it would be right here. And so the only she they could think of that would know anything about this is Persia. And at first, uh, what's his name? Drayvon, which is the brother. He's like, no, she wouldn't do that. And it's just like, Pope, first of all, Pope don't want to hear that shit. But then they also like, look at all, look at all the vindictive shit she has done to him over the past six years. She definitely would. And so he just tells Esco, you need to get a handle on this before I do. Now, you know, I started talking about Corey and I <laughs> didn't get into what I wanted to mention. <clears throat> Esco and Corey share having an alcoholic father. Now, Esco's father, he is clean. He's been clean for the past two years now. Now, Corey's father is still, unfortunately, he's an unhoused alcoholic living on the streets. Um, who after she has Sunday dinner with her, what was it? It's six all together because it was three boys and it's the three girls. Um, so after she has family dinner, she'll take like a to-go play acting as if it's hers, but she'll actually go around to find her father and give it to him. And so nobody knows that she does this because the rest of the family like, well, the mama doesn't like actually say anything against the father, but when they bring it up, you know, she just won't indulge in the conversation. And especially the twins, they always like, fuck him. We don't want to talk about him. And Corey is like, that's still our father at the end of the day. You don't have to talk about him. Like that. So um, <clears throat> they share in that regard. But Esco's father, he's clean and he's trying to be better now. Where uh, his mama, they uh, Esco's mama, like he's still living in the house. They're still together. I think they're still married. But she just don't care at this point. It's almost like too little, too late. Like, yeah, you could still live here, but whatever. You, <laughs> you know, like you kind of, you took my best years and you ruined them. So I, I don't care that you're not drinking no more. Like, what does that mean to me? Um. And so, like, everything is going good with Esco and Corey until, uh, why did I just draw blanks like that? Persia, Persia shows up to the school. Oh, okay, so let me, uh, let me back back a little bit. So, with the thing with the Haitians, the Haitians beat her ass because when if, they knew that she snitched anyway, but when they knew that she helped and then um, they were looking, anyway, she got her ass beat and she was in the hospital. And so she was looking for Esco to give her protection. And he's like, 
I'm not giving you shit. You wanted to lay in bed with them. Okay, you go do that. So anyway, when she feels like she has nothing left, Persia shows up to the school getting into a fight with Corey and she stabs her. And Carmelo was there. I mean, the other students are there too, but I'm quote unquote more importantly, like your own son sees you not only fighting, but you also stab someone. So now you're going to jail. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, but when she got stabbed, Corey didn't want to talk to Esco. She's like, I cannot be involved in this. And even with her being in the hospital, the school told her, like, basically she was suspended without pay until they did a thorough investigation. And so she just knew she was going to lose her job. So she's like, look at what you cost me. Even when I told you I didn't want to do this from the very beginning. So, you know, Esco was like, baby, I'll take care of you. You know, like, I still want to be with you. I'll make this right. Like, I swear. All that type of stuff. And she's like, no, I don't want to hear it. Whatever. But she gets a call from the principal who tells her, you know, you're not going to lose your job because technically she came and assaulted you. And, um, but what they will do, Carmela, I think she's being moved to a different classroom. So she's not going to teach that class anymore. She has a different class. And while she was upset about that, she accepted it because she didn't lose her job completely. And her and Esco are in love and they couldn't just let this relationship in so they're together Carmelo knows about their relationship like he kind of gets it but he doesn't really care about it and everything's all good and that's the end of Esco and Corey and I will see you guys in the next episode wrapping up with Onyx and Shine peace and blessings my beautiful people